Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Couchside Judges. I'm Scott Fontana. Follow me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. Follow me at the Dan Urban. Follow the podcast at Couchside Judges and subscribe to us wherever you listen. And if you like this show, do us a favor. It's been the holidays. Still in the spirit. Give us that five-star review. You got to do it. And we taught judging in MMA. It'll help you out if you read the criteria. You can find it at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, we are at the end of the year, and we did even though we did this at the beginning of last year, I think now we, we seem to agree. I think you and I agree. This is the perfect time to go over our 2021 set of judging data. All the data, all the numbers you've been uh, keeping track of all year. Crunching all year. I got a massive spreadsheet. It's It's got tens of thousands of data points in it, not from this year alone, but from, from past years as well. Uh, it is huge. It takes up a lot of space on uh, my storage, but uh, I mean, in so much as uh, a spreadsheet could take up space, but it's it's big. It's a big one. Um, we will get into that shortly, but before we do, Dan, how were the holidays? Uh, they were pretty good. I had a good time. Yeah, what'd you do? Uh, nothing really uh, extravagant, just uh, hung out with family. It's a good time. What'd you get? What would what, Santa bring you? Santa gift cards. Nice. What about you? Best thing for an adult. <laughs> you bring you anything? Call? No, no, no. Santa brought me. Um, what was it? Santa actually brought me. I, I, I lost track. But uh, my wife, my favorite gift probably was from my wife. It was a nice new uh, coat. Okay. It's a nice black coat. I kind of I told her after I covered uh, UFC two what sixty eight. I'm I'm now I'm losing track. The one in New York that I was at. Everyone had some like nice coats on. I'm like, man, my coat's like, it's nice enough, but it's like, it's what you'd wear if you were going to go skiing or something. I wanted uh, like a, you know, like something nice, you know? Okay. So I described to her kind of what I had in mind and she asked some questions and it's like, okay, you know, if you happen to, like, I wasn't telling her like, go get me a coat. But I said, you know, if you're looking to do that, if you're looking for something for me, this is, this would be something I would really like. And my wife found uh, a really nice black coat that was pretty much exactly what I had in mind. I uh, credit to her; she did a great job. Nice. I took a I took a little page out of uh, one of your little guy's book this year. Oh yeah, what'd you do? My sister. Did, asked, did you get a fire truck? My sister asked me what I wanted. I told her I wanted pizza. So. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my kids like pizza, but the, yeah. no, Santa was good to my kids. Yeah. Actually, Santa. Uh, came through the chimney, came down, dropped off exactly what each of them asked for. My oldest asked for a firefighter dress-up costume. Oh, boy. Got it, was delighted. He's been right. wearing it like half of the time <laughs> since Christmas. Uh, and the little one, uh, whose birthday just passed, now four, um, he got the Blue's Clues playset that he was requesting. So ah, Blue is still around. There's a new Blues Clues. It's called Blues Clues and You. And uh, Steve makes a few infrequent uh, stops on the show. But now it's Josh wears the shirt. Okay. Mm -hmm. And my kids love it. They they discovered it recently. We'd exposed them to it like, I don't know, a year ago. And they weren't really into it. And then did it again. Couple months back, and and especially my youngest is like totally into it. He's he's four now, so he's he's that age that we're like this mm-hmm. is perfect for him. Nice. He got exactly what he wanted. He got a lot for Christmas. He got a lot for his birthday. We made sure that birthday didn't get like kind of mixed in with Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's good. So yeah, we we we're doing our best not to let him get lost in the shuffle. You know, perfect. 
but it was a good time. We had, we had a great time. And, uh, and now with that out of the way, I think now is the time, sir. We have to talk about the data, the judging data from the, the 2021 MMA calendar year, right? Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that. Let's dive in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my, what, what should we go for? Like, what are we, what should we talk about? You think? Cause I've got a lot we can talk about. You're the guy. Uh, let's let's dive into ten eights. Ten eights are, are kind of the most interesting to me. Well, you know what? Actually, before we do that, I, I should kind of set up what data we're we're even talking about today because it's not just UFC data like it was last year. Um, so where we're at is I was able to, and it will be mostly UFC. I understand that UFC is still the, the market leader, um, and we talk about them a lot more. Um. But then we also have data from Bellator and PFL. So the UFC data consists of 1,023 scored rounds from 2021. Bellator had 376 scored rounds, but I uh, there are 20 of these that I do not have the exact data as to judge, um, you know, whether it was, you know, a split round or anything like that. So almost entire Bellator here, but we're only working with 356 out of 376 rounds when i talk about bellator and then we do have all 187 pfl scored rounds from this year it's a lot of rounds all told yeah i mean we're talking about you know anyone somewhere in the neighborhood of 1500 rounds which more or less was what we were talking about last year with just ufc alone um but that when we talked about it last year that was actually 2020 plus uh, a good chunk of 2019 this one i i chose to isolate it to 2021 all right that's but solid. uh yeah, and, and even before we kind of dive into, I really ought to uh give some thanks out uh for the fact that we were able to get this data. Um UFC has been sharing their scorecards all year through uh their at UFC news Twitter handle. Um and that's been terrific. Ever since they started doing that last year, it has made gathering information and, and sharing the information with people at large a lot easier. And, and I really kudos to the UFC for doing that. They didn't have to, but they did, and, and it's great. Bellator, uh, they've been better in recent months, but I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, I'm going to take credit for it. I was pestering them uh, <laughs> more or less about kind of getting these rounds up. You know, I mean, they have an account Bellator at Bellator PR. It's a Twitter handle um, that they would share most of the uh, completed decisions, but they wouldn't share, you know, partial round scores. And and sometimes that would include title fights where it was very interesting. You'd like to know. Um Still weren't always the best, but I think they got better. Thanks again, my pestering and, and also <laughs> my pestering through the MMA Journalist Association as well. Uh, because I, I kind of recruited their help a little bit to maybe give a little pull. Nice. Um, it, it helped a little bit. So, uh, but again, I think Bellator is getting a lot better and I do appreciate uh, what they do. So, thanks for that. PFL, they share their scorecards with media. Um, and actually, they do it rapidly sometimes. I think one in particular, they actually had the scorecard in their system shared with media before it was announced on TV. I mean, we're talking by moments, mm. you know, but like it was very, <laughs> it was very surprising. I'm like, Oh, I got it first. That's, that's wild. <laughs> it's like getting a spoiler. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, huge thanks to all the media relations, the regulators, the officials who kind of help fill in the gaps, especially. I, I really appreciate those officials who have been very helpful in, in providing information for me throughout the year that I've been able to disseminate or, or track. Um, and actually, in one case, uh, an official had to amend something that the UFC's shared scorecard got incorrect. Oh, OK. So, so just to make it clear. When UFC puts their scorecards up through their um, their Twitter handle, I just Twitter handle I just mentioned before, they're translating what's already on the commission's scorecard. So 
it's possible they are transcribing an error. Um, the commission scorecard should not have that error. So just so that everyone understands. Okay. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really to worry about. Everything is right. You know, handled on the up and up with the commissions themselves. They check these things. Everything's fine. But that was just one thing. I, I want to say it was Casey Kenny, uh, not Casey Kenny, uh, Courtney Casey. Uh, one of her fights from I want to say April or something. I, I, oh, okay. I can't remember. Off That's the top kind of, of head, a but. while ago. Yeah, it was a while back, but that, that reminds I was actually, I was uh, discussing this with an, uh, an official in no at the time while I was waiting in line for my COVID shot, my first COVID shot. Oh, wow. Okay. So I know exactly where I was at the time. Um, but anyway, remember, this is this is a limited look. It's only looking at this year. Um, you know, many judges uh, who are very excellent assessors of rounds uh, don't always work UFC events all the time, especially now that we're, you know, mostly in Vegas for a lot of these shows where UFC Vegas, what 79 or whatever the heck it is. It's not that, <laughs> but it's too many of these. Uh, so there are a lot of officials that we're just not seeing a lot of data from. Um, if we're not speaking about certain officials, that doesn't mean one is stronger or worse than another. It just means that you know, maybe they don't have as much data. Um, but I will say again, talking about my big spreadsheet, I got a lot of help this year from regulators, from officials, um, very, 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 very helpful in filling out my data chart. I think I have something like 96% of scored rounds over the, ever, ever since August 2016. So, wow. Okay. So you, that is almost a full. lot. Almost full. When I get it full, we're going to do another show. We're going to talk about tendencies over the last, it'll be probably six years at that point. Um, but I am confident that we can actually do it. I think we can get there because I'm hoping right. maybe I'll get a little bit of extra help from some officials who okay. are still hoping to be able to help me. Um, and then I can kind of start reaching out to the UFC and be like, all right, here's what I'm kind of missing, guys. Maybe you can help me out a little bit. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> uh, that, that would be nice. Um, and one more thing I should set up before we kind of dive into the show, right, mm-hmm. is what uh, what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about descents sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. A descent. As you know, Dan, that is when we have a round in which a judge disagreed on who won a round. That's a dissent. We're not talking about 10 eights, 10 nines. Okay. We're just talking about who won the round. Um, being this dissenting judge, it just means you gave the minority assessment in the round. That does not mean you were wrong. And obviously, we talk about on the, that on our show every single episode. But again, we're, hopefully, we have some new listeners that are listening to this, curious about this, and, and just want to understand that. Um, often, of course, rounds can be argued solidly for either fighter, though not always. Um, and again, we talk about that all the time. But hopefully, that that's uh, kind of the end of the spiel that I wanted to give, make sure we set everything up for everybody. <laughs> I, I, I think I covered it right there. I Dan? think yeah, you, you covered it, all of it. I try to be exhausted. good. <laughs> not exhausting, but exhaustive. <laughs> All right. I'm probably borderline there, right? <laughs> You're good. Everyone knows right, what right. we are doing now. Exactly. I think we've got it. We got the spiel out of the way. What are we talking about? What do you want to know, Dan? I want to know. Well, obviously, 10-8s have been a hot topic this year, especially after Dana lost his mind about it when uh, Jan and Izzy fought. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what's the data tell us about 10-8s this year? All right. So like you said, it was that, that Izzy fight, that Adesanya fight. Round five was two 10 eights uh, in that round, which was largely a, you know, a kind of a domination duration kind of situation. No, not as much damage. Uh, but again, the majority score was a 10 eight here, and that did make Dana go a little crazy. Uh, it was Derek Cleary and Junichiro Kambijo who saw that as the 10 eight, uh, whereas we had Sal D'Amato saw it for the 10 nine. Dan, if you recall, we gave the couchside override to uh, Judge D'Amato here, mm-hmm. seeing it as a 10 nine. 
we we agreed. That's a couchside override. That is a couchside override. I, I'll spare the noise uh, on this episode. <laughs> we'll we'll save that for another time. Um, only when we give them out, I think that's that's probably fair. Yes. Um, but anyway, for what it's worth, we did side with that way. I, I still think it's a little crazy to have gotten as overreactive as Dana did in this point, but nonetheless, here we are. Um, but that did very much seem to spike uh, or spark a change in the way 10-8s were being assessed, you know, with, with a greater push for them kind of only be given out in, you know, big beatdown rounds or, you know, they have, you know, high damage as one of the Ds, you know. Mm-hmm. The data certainly bears that out. Uh, if you just look at the beginning of 2021, so just the first couple months through March 6th, that event that we're talking about here. That's 100, 198 UFC rounds is what we're talking about through that event. So this, we're talking about roughly a fifth of a year. We had 14 rounds in which one judge had a 10-8. We had five in which two judges had a 10-8. And we had three where all three agreed was a 10-8. So wow. the, the round we're kind of talking about here falls into that category of two 10 Okay. The percentage of the time we're talking about, because it's 198 rounds, we're only getting at least one 10-8 in about the same percentage that we were getting the year before. It adds up to 11.1%. Okay. So like one in 10, kind of. It's still, yeah. Some, last year it was there. just about the same. Okay. So, so really, there's not a disalignment in what that was. All right. And after? After. After that time, and we're talking about a much larger percentage, but again, we're talking about the beginning of the year was very consistent with last year. 825 scored rounds since that uh, March 6th event, we had 10-8 scores, at least one 10-8 score in 6.8% of rounds. Almost half. Uh, not quite, but it's it's significant drop. Absolutely. Um, we're talking about like a 4% drop, which when you're talking about that, it's, it's a good drop. It's probably about a third less is really what okay. we're talking about. And, but that's a lot. Um, and really, if you look at how often we're getting at least two 10-8s scored, you know, two or three, we're down to 3.1%. It used to be about five. So it's definitely down on the whole. They, whatever they've said, it's working. We're getting less 10-8s. Go the other way. Should go the other way. It should go the other way. We said that last year. We, uh, we said last year we wanted to see more 10-8s. We'd like the language to be able to push in the direction that would be make it more achievable for it. We don't, we're not necessarily saying just do it, but I, I would like the language to be a little bit more friendly to the idea of a 10-8 rather than pushing away, as which, which is where it seems to be heading with, with the way the commissions would like it to go. Um, and I think that's very disappointing. To, I mean, we're, we're talking about, again, it, it's, just, it's just a big drop. I don't like it. Um, we already weren't seeing a ton of 10 8s, and I think it was okay that it wasn't crazy, but it was still we wanted more, and now it's way less. So obviously, this is this is a problem I think for us. Yeah. So so do any any judges in particular? Did they did this change how they uh, how they're given 10 8s? Are there any judges that kind of almost removed them, uh, so to speak, or any judges that uh, started giving more? Maybe. Well, I don't have data that particularly compares how those individual judges were before and after because we're. You're talking about such a small percentage that it wouldn't necessarily be consistent. But what you what we do have is we're still looking at certain judges are still more likely than others. Okay. Throughout the entire calendar year to give out a 10-8 than than another judge. Mike Bell remains the king of 10-8s. <laughs> uh, and thus our hero. Uh, <laughs> I think, right? Oh, for sure. 
Yeah. So he he was on. He, there were ten situations in which he was the lone judge in an eight nine split, right? Okay. And each time he was the eight. Nice. I like that. only one with with such a high, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of all eights and no nines uh, as the out. Although actually, Judiciro Camijo had four situations and all times he was uh, giving the eight instead of the nine. So he was also kind of pushing it a little bit more than, okay. than other judges as well. Uh, Eric Cologne also uh, well known to give more eights than nines in his situations. He had uh, seven, uh, excuse me. Um, yeah. He had, he had six uh, occasions in which he was the lone eight where he's, he only had one occasion where he was the lone nine. Okay. So the, those are the three that we're talking about in terms of being the most likely judges from the last year to give out a 10 eight as opposed to a nine uh if there's any you know if it's kind of a borderline kind of case uh sal D'Amato and tony weeks were the ones that were kind of very much in the middle evenly split which is uh, very surprising from judge weeks we, uh, we talked about it throughout the year judge weeks was much less likely to give out a 10 eight historically uh and this year there were nine situations in which he was the out judge in an eight nine and five times he gave the eight four he gave the nine he did the what he he gave out the the ten nine oh, okay four times and he gave out the ten eight five times when when we're talking about when he's the lone judge oh, okay. uh, in an eight nine split yeah uh, D'Amato same number of times that was nine uh, but he actually he had only four times in which he was the the eight and five in which he was the nine but when we're talking about Judge D'Amato he has a much 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 larger uh, body of rounds scored. So he's probably going to have a, a number of times where he's kind of in, you know, the majority of the minority kind of situation. Yeah. Judge Weeks has much fewer rounds. So it was interesting to see it. It sounds it seems to me based on the day that he's still more out of sync with where all the other judges are trying to find it. But uh, it, it's nice to see that at least he's kind of hunting for it a little more. That is that is nice to see. That's what that's what that data <laughs> tells me anyway. Uh, what about 10 sevens? We get any of those this year? No, no. Why would we get a 10 seven? <laughs> Honestly, what's the point of it being on the books? They they don't actually happen uh, in practice. It, we've only seen them given out one at a time anyway, even when they are given out. So it, for me, it's just frustrating that it's actually even in the book because you either to me, you'd either make it more attainable to get a 10-7 or you just strike it from the books. What's the point? Yeah, get rid of this 10-7 that no one's allowed to use. Well, they're allowed to use it. It's just so hard to get there. Yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. The one thing I will say but before we kind of close the book on 10 eights uh, with the judges as well, uh, Ron McCarthy, out of 206 combined UFC and Bellator rounds, sir, was never out of step on an 8-9 split. Always with the majority, huh? Always in the majority. All right. Yep. He, he either was one of uh, two out of three or three out of three. Dave Hagan, same thing, uh, but in 158 rounds. Guys, that's not uh, how you win couch that overrides. No, well, hey, you know what? He's there. Uh, it's better off to be in step with your yeah, fellow judges. Yeah. One would tend to think so. Yeah. Uh, kudos to those judges. They they seem to at least have a grasp on where their peers are viewing a ten eight right now. So that's interesting. I I, th I found that to be very interesting. At least I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm alone. What do you think of that one? Yeah, I mean that is interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh so really we got we got data from all three of these major promotions in the U.S. What yes. does what does it say, you know, about the judging in one promotion compared to another? Honestly, I was expecting there to be 
at least a little bit more of a difference between the two promotion or the three promotions. You know, you compare one of the other UFC, Bellator, PFL. So here's the breakdown of how often judges are unanimous on a round. In the UFC, it's 73.8% of rounds in which they all agreed on the score. They agreed on the winner, everything. Bellator, it's 70.8%. And in PFL, it's exactly the same as UFC, 73.8. Okay, so about, yeah, I, I don't know, 7 out of 10 times that are in sync. R- roughly, say, you know, we're talking about anywhere from 7 out of 10 to, you know, three quarters of the time. Yeah. But I found it fascinating that it's it's exactly the same in UFC and PFL, especially because there really wasn't a lot of crossover in the judges that they utilize. Um, judges Dave Torelli and Eric Cologne were really the only ones that did any PFL and UFC rounds this year. Okay. Most of the time they're using local New Jersey judges or local um, Florida judges that didn't get as much uh, UFC work. I, I think Troy Winkapaw might have done a little bit of both this year, but not not a ton. Um, but otherwise, it's really just those two names. So we're talking about a very interesting situation. I would have thought my theory was going to be that at the PFL level, there might be more agreement just because of potential for mismatches, making it much easier for judges to kind of score the rounds. That didn't bear out. Yeah, I, I, so I would think differently. What would you think? Bit. So I would think that there'd be more more disagreement because some of these fights are, can just be crazy on, you know, slight step below uh, UFC level. I think what it is is the matchmaking at the UFC is much stronger where you're getting two men or two women in the cage that are probably going to be at least pretty close in skill level. Whereas at the regional scene, you might not be able to do that as well. Yeah, probably a lot of lots of mismatches. Like like basically Bellator. So Bellator was the one that dipped a little <laughs> bit. They were down to 70.8 instead of 73.8. So but I, I don't read that as a big difference. No, three percent's not a lot. So. It's it's not a lot. So if you're if you're trying to understand how often the judges agree with each other, pretty much across the board, at least at the, the upper level. Uh, in MMA, it's it's about seventy three point eight percent. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, good good on them being uh, yeah in sync. Yes, indeed. So uh, normally, you, if you listen to the show, you know we we love uh, you know Sal D'Amato as the gold standard in yes. judging. Does the twenty twenty one data still support Sal D'Amato as the gold standard? Basically, yeah. Um, he's still by far the most. Uh, I guess hardworking, uh, but but the most staffed is really what it comes down to. Um, not to say that other judges don't work as hard as Sal D'Amato, but he's he's at every UFC event, basically. Uh, and he did some Bellator as well. So on the whole, he turned in 517 individual round scores uh, across those two promotions this year, which was six fewer rounds than last year. Hyper consistent. Very, very consistent. Who, no six rounds, you probably... Where, where one round finishes where he didn't get to turn yeah, anything in. So. Something like that. I mean, <laughs> when you got that number, I mean, you're, you're obviously working the same amount. But uh, And he was still well ahead, uh, more more than 100 scored rounds ahead of Mike Bell, who was second most uh, at 382 across UFC and Bellator. Mike, so Mike. Uh, But again, there actually, it might just be a little higher, too, with Mike. I, I believe there's a couple that I didn't have the full scored round with. I have to double check. But um, remember, we're missing 20 rounds of Bellator. Okay. So, um, but but only Bell, Junichiro Camillo, Eric Cologne, and Derek Cleary were on at least half as many rounds scored uh, as 
Sal D'Amato across the three promotions we're kind of talking about here. Camillo was not in that group last year. He actually worked more often this year. Uh, and Chris Lee was, so he worked uh, less frequently, uh, less less rounds anyway. Okay, so Camillo's kind of moving up, it seems. And he's working more, at least. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what that says. It just says he, he worked a lot more uh, rounds and events probably this year. Yeah. Is what it came down. So I think Chris Lee worked less, but again, he, it seems like Camillo was more available for for more this year and good too because he, he's he's done wor- good work. Um, one real quick note about Sal before we move on to the next judge. Uh, judge Damato worked forty four five rounders across UFC and Bellator this year, which is one more than he did the year before. Almost one five round fight a, a week. Almost. Uh, yeah, basically so. on average at least. Um, and the only others with at least twenty. Across those promotions were Camillo with 27, Cleary with 24, and Bell with 20. Uh, others in double digits were uh, Lee at 14. Brian Miner had 11, a lot of them being in Bellator. Um, I think all of them actually were in Bellator. Uh, Ron McCarthy had 11, uh, and Eric Colon had 10. So mm. nobody else had more than five. <laughs> those are, mm. If you're talking about a five-round fight in the major promotions, you're really only talking about these judges more most of the time. Right. Seems, I mean, it seems America. that way. I mean, if it feels like they're always uh... – that's the names that you hear the most. So sure, absolutely. I mean, there that that to me says they have a lot of trust from the regulators. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, the next name I do want to highlight though is actually uh, Judge Camillo. Okay. He only worked UFC rounds because uh, he's a Nevada judge. No Bellator, PFL uh, in the state of Nevada this year, um, and he was still second. Like we said, in, in five rounders worked. He was third in overall rounds across the three promotions as well. But most impressively, he had by far the best descent percent oh, yeah? this year. Mm-hmm. Easily the best. Uh, 3.5% of the time is when he descended from his other judges uh, on the round winner uh, we're talking about here, remember? Wow. Um, that is significantly better than Mike Bell, who was next best at 5.15%. Uh, Judge D'Amato was third, 588 is We're just talking about UFC rounds here, by the way. And, and it's with a minimum of five UFC rounds scored. That was kind of my cutoff here. Okay. Brian Miner only got 63 UFC rounds, but his percentage was really impressive too at 3.17. Wow. Very, very, very impressive. Solid judge in there. Mm hmm. Uh, and, and actually, uh, Judge Camillo was also uh, the best percentage when you go across the three combined promotions as well. So even though it was only UFC, he was, he was the best of all of them anyway. Doing good work. So, I mean, <laughs> we're going to, we'll give out our, our judges. Probably next week. Uh, I would think uh, Judge Camillo has to be pretty high up there in the judge of the year, right? He might be getting some awards. There's, there's potential for it. We'll have to discuss that and uh, have, have our little fight about it, and then we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Who else should we talk about, sir? Is uh, Oh, this is a fun one for you, sir. <laughs> Doug Crosby. Oh, okay. We're going to bring up Doug here. This might surprise some people who've listened to our show regularly, Dan and I. Uh, for lack of a better word, we, we kind of rag on on Judge Crosby. Uh, there's a lot of weirdness that comes along with Doug Crosby that we've we've seen in interviews with Chael Sonnen. We we <laughs> we all know about the judging genius rant from 11 years, almost 12 years ago now. Um, seems like a quirky guy, uh, but what's very interesting from a data standpoint is his combined percentage across UFC and Bellator, which he worked almost equally, ranks third among judges. Third. Hmm. He is very frequently in agreement with his other judges. And I find that bizarre because it seems like he doesn't view judging in the same way that other judges do. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's 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 just a wild kind of 
mix of you know, what you'd kind of expect and what actually bears out. So, I mean, credit to him. He's, he's ending up on the right page with the other judges. It just doesn't seem like he gets there in the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a different path. Uh, at least based on this year and, and based on his overall work. So if we break that down, because again, it's kind of equal, equal between Yossi and Bellator. Okay. In Bellator, he was only dissenting 3.66% in 82 rounds. So obviously in Bellator, he's, he's very much uh, th- seeing it the same way. Now, these are the same fights, but that's just the way it worked in Bellator. Uh, in the UFC, though, that percentage across 77 rounds was 7.79%. So a much more natural uh, percentage. A seven, is, seven to eight is not a bad percentage to have um, in, uh, among top judges. It's perfectly fine, but it's not, you know, kind of that under six range. Anything under six means that you're you're very much seeing things the same way. And and it would seem to indicate to me, and, and maybe I could be wrong. I don't want to spread misinformation, but it sure seems like that puts you in kind of that upper echelon gold standard kind of range. Okay. Um. So when you look at the, the entirety of it, that's where Doug Crosby sits. But, you know, I think you know, sometimes numbers can lie. Maybe they're not here, but sometimes they can. <laughs> so take everything we say with at least a little bit of salt, you know? <laughs> What about the international judges? I know we, we talk mostly about the U.S. judges because there's not that many events uh, overseas, at least from these uh, main promotions. Uh, what's the data say about them? Unfortunately, I, I want to make sure we address this. We don't have a ton of data on our international judges. We have fewer events, like you say, um, less data on them. You know, guys like Ben Cartledge, Clemens Werner, uh, David Leatherby. I think we've had more data on them over the years, but but UFC, basically, they just went to – you know, fight Island a couple times, not as often as even last year. Uh, I don't think, and, you know, they use different judges here and there and they didn't travel at all. I mean, we might see more of that in 2022, but right now it's not really um, the only one of those judges who actually crossed over the kind of the 75 round threshold that I use as like kind of a minimum to look at judges. And, and that's still very low uh, was judge cartilage. And unfortunately he had the highest descent percentage of any judge in my table. Uh, at 14%, which is much higher than, than anyone would like. But having said that, his three-year percentage, if you look all the way back to 2019, he is still one of the best in the world compared to his peers. So I don't really put a whole lot of stock in that. Yeah, 75 is a low sample. So. It's a very, well, 86 is where we're at, um, but 75 oh. in general. I mean, either way, it's not a whole lot. And I don't think it's reflective of the remainder of his body of work. We're also not talking about uh, all the Cage Warriors events that he's done, all the other, uh, you know, events that he's worked in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Aries and KSW are oftentimes in his, uh, uh, in his wheelhouse. So I wouldn't read too heavily into that, mm-hmm. but that is, that is where we have it. Unfortunately, uh, I'd love to have more data on the international judges, but it's just not what we have right now. Yeah. It does seem some of the, it's, it's tough to gather. It, it is. So. I, I, I do what I can to get the North American promotions. And uh, it's been a little bit harder to track down things from, cage warriors and that kind of thing. The, the commissions work differently there too. I can, I can reach out to a state commission in the United States and put in a freedom of information act request if I need to, and they are more or less obligated to give me the information. Uh, it doesn't work that way in, in England, for example. Gotcha. Maybe Mark so. Goddard would be helpful. <laughs> Mark has been very helpful for us in the past gentlemen coming on our show. I appreciate him. Um, there are a couple judges, though, I did want to make sure I highlighted uh, some some maybe for good, some some less so. Uh, <laughs> we'll start with the less so. Dave Torelli uh, is a name that I do need to start with because of all the judges with 
at least 100 rounds across UFC, BFL, uh, BFL, PFL, and Bellator. Uh, he had the highest descent percentage at 10.6. So we're, we're talking about a higher threshold than uh, Judge Cartledge, like I was talking about before. And he's the only—he's one of the few who actually worked across all three promotions too, which was is interesting. Mm. Um, with with uh, Judge Cologne as well. He's also the only judge uh, with that many rounds scored, that many rounds turned in to be the lone 10-9 score at least two times more than he was the lone 10-8. So what we're saying here is that he is more likely than just about any other judge to give a 9 than an 8 when there's a split. Okay, he's a, he's a 9 guy. He's a 9 guy. It's, I mean, based on this data, that doesn't mean everything. It's it's one year, and it's, it's still kind of a smaller percentage, a smaller sample size. We do have to highlight, though, that Judge Torelli and uh, Judge Donnie Carolay, uh, who's another New Jersey-based judge, uh, doesn't typically travel uh, very far for uh, judging-based work in the country. But they were the judges who awarded Glace and Tebow uh, that infamous victory over <laughs> Rory McDonald and PFL back in June. Eric Cologne was the decisive had the decisive round one for McDonald. We awarded a couchside override for what that was worth uh, to Cologne here, seeing this one for McDonald. And this basically, at the time, this was about as close as we were going to get to using the R word. It, it really, this was a this was a close one for that. I still think it's not a good score to go that way. So, you know, none of this adds up necessarily for Judge Torelli being a bad judge. I don't want to go that far. I don't, I don't like to label that because I don't think it's my place to label a good judge and a bad judge. But it's, it's you know... All that combined, it's it's not as ideal. You mean you don't want to fly off the handle and label someone a bad judge? It's not it's not the way I like to do things, <laughs> okay. sir. I like to like be the rest measured. of the population? I, no, no. It's not my place. It's <laughs> not my place. The Good. commissions need to decide that. I'm just kind of interpreting data and interpreting what I see. Um, I would say I feel more confident with other judges. I, my my dream team remains uh, Sal D'Amato. Junichiro Camillo and Mike Bell. If, I, if I'm in a title fight, I want those three on it because I think they're the most likely to get you to the winner that ought to be there. They may not agree on everything, but I think you're going to get as close as you can. All right. Uh, with, with, you know, honorable mention to several other judges uh, as well. Outside of that group, you know, I'm talking about Derek Cleary, Ron McCarthy, Brian Minor, Tony Weeks, Dave Hagan. These were judges who in 2021 actually uh, had dissent percentages lower than seven, uh, which is still strong. Improving for for Dave Hagan. Dave Hagan improved over over last year's percentage. You know, that's good. The the descent percentage it doesn't mean that someone got better or worse as a judge. All it means is they were more in lockstep with their other judges. Yes, yeah, so that's all that means. They saw more that that way. The majority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is ideal. I think most judges would typically like to see it the same way as their peers. They don't want to be the one who's who's the out judge. So that's all that means. It doesn't mean someone got better or worse. They're just in more lockstep. But I was glad to see uh, judges like Brian Miner uh, and Chris Flores, too, uh, Arizona, got very few rounds in Nevada. But they came over to Nevada this year, uh, and that was nice to see. Also coming to Nevada this year was Doug Crosby. That was a little weird. Doug made it to Nevada. Didn't expect that. Um, it is what it is. We're going to see more Doug Crosby rounds in the future. I don't I don't know that was ideal, but it is what it is. You know what I noticed? But again, I he, if I... he's landed on the right side most of the time, I guess it's okay. It's just weird. So, I'm, I'm kind of, we kind of saw a little bit less of uh, Mike Winter. 
or I'm sorry, Rick Winter this year. Rick Winter. Yeah. Uh, no, he he was he was working yeah. enough rounds. He, he I mean, he worked a, he worked a lot early in the year. I kind of felt like he, he wasn't there as much towards the end. No, he was still there. Honestly, here and there you'd see him. Uh, I think he was on the last show of the year actually, and he ended up scoring 105 rounds uh, in the UFC this year. Uh, so he was one out of 14 judges who turned in at least 100 rounds across the three promotions okay. we're talking about. So he yeah he was the 14th out of them. You know. Judges uh, Adelaide Bird and Torelli and Hagen, Crosby, Weeks, Minor, all these people, they had more than he did, but uh, but he was still in that mix. And, he, you know, solid judges uh, all around here. There really aren't as many, you know, that's <laughs> – look, the public will make decisions they will uh, on certain judges. I think we've seen some less defensible scores from certain judges this year. I think Adelaide Bird kind of made a couple of ones where we were less likely to defend it, right? Um, but I still don't think I, – I don't think Adelaide Bird even turned in any rounds where we were like, that's a bad score. Do you remember any? Not off the top of my head. I don't think so. Yeah. We should keep, keep better track throughout the year. We should make, like, note when we're when we're kind of, like, <laughs> iffy on it so we can kind of revisit those yeah. at the end of the year. Maybe, I, go, maybe that can be an end of the year for next year's think, show. I, where we... I know I teased the idea of trying to keep track if any judges had a grappling or striking preference. I was like, oh, this is going to be way too much work. You're not much of to... a data cruncher, no, I see. That's, I mean, it's just so much. Like, I'm shocked yeah, you, you put so much uh, heart into it. So I I do. I probably put too much time into it. But all of these guys, I like spreadsheets and stuff. I like crunching data. <laughs> I find it interesting. And I think it's important for people to understand uh, what they're seeing. And uh, look, if someone wants to say, oh, Sal D'Amato, he's always, uh, you know, he's always going against everybody. He's always wrong. It's like, well, you know what? He turns in more rounds than anybody. So you hear his name more. But. His percent's still very low. He's he's mostly the same as all the other judges. <laughs> the funny thing is someone, when the Angela Hill last fight said, who scored at 30-27, Dan Ige? He responded, he goes, Sal D'Amato? I was like, oh, come on, Dan. What are you, what are you doing? Ah, they don't know anything. <laughs> they fighters. They know how to fight. They don't They don't know what the judges are doing. Hopefully I, oh, some of them listen to this. I hope they're learning. Basketball But players. I mostly hope that they're reaching out to other officials and learning. that Because well, that's what yeah. you really learn from. You don't learn from us. You learn from the officials. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... Really, I, I'm I'm most most uh, kind of excited about this. I want to know who got the most couchside overrides this year. Oh yeah, the couchside override. So we we I talked about the couchside override a little bit before. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you know what it is. If you don't, essentially that is what we give out each week when Dan and I go over the uh, mostly UFC cards. Sometimes we'll go over to Bellator as well. Um, if there is a split round and Dan and I see the same the round the same way. For the judge who was the lone judge, we're essentially turning that over into a majority. We're overriding it. We call it a couchside override. <laughs> that is how. Yes, indeed, sir. Thank you. You can do the noise. I usually do the noise, but I'll let you do it this time. Um, that now that doesn't mean that we think that the judge, the two judges, were wrong. It just means we think the better argument can be made for uh, against the majority. Really, is all it is. Yeah. So let's uh, let's dive into that. All right. So we had. Out of a possible 268 split rounds this year, sir, 58 were awarded a couchside override. And we're just talking about UFC rounds here. We, we did a couple for Bellator and PFL, but we weren't consistent with it, so I left them out okay. uh, of the conversation. I just thought it was easier, uh, a little neater to do it that way. But that means that 21.6% of the time that there's a split round, we overturn it. Okay. One out of five, All more right. or less. Um, but on the whole, if you look at the number of rounds overall, which in the UFC, again, we're talking about 1,023 total scored rounds, only 5.7% of UFC rounds overall would we overturn 
if granted phenomenal cosmic power. All right. It's not very often. That's not a lot. Most of the time, the majority's getting it right. In our opinion, anyway. Our opinions are what they are. Everyone has them. Um, and we're sitting in our couches, and we're not watching the same way. We don't get the same feedback and, you know, all the other stuff everyone must keep in mind. But, yeah, having said that, the winner of the most couchside overrides in 2021 in the UFC was, who do you think? I kind of feel like it's Eric Colon. Nope. It's Sal D'Amato. Oh, okay. Be, I mean, it makes sense. He's yeah, got, yes, yeah. He's, he's, he's you're playing the, most, the percentages so. here. Yeah. He's most likely going to do it just <laughs> with sheer uh, numbers of rounds here. But it's funny you do mention Eric Lone because he was second with nine and he had much fewer rounds overall. So oh. we were more likely to overturn his rounds than pretty much any other judge percentage wise. I mean, it kind of felt Overturning like that. But how, favor, many, how many did Sal have? Uh, Sal had 12, 12 okay. couchside overrides out of 58. So uh, the percentages. About twenty percent, little little okay. more than twenty percent of them. All right. <laughs> Again, he's, he's he does a lot of rounds. He's on one of every three rounds, basically in the UFC. Um, Eric Lone had nine. Chris Lee was the only other judge with more than four. He had six. Okay. And uh, Doug Crosby, once again, he only scored. You know, out of judges that only scored uh, at least seventy-five rounds, he's the only one who didn't have an override. No overrides. No overrides right. for Doug Crosby. Um, you know, you want to you want to include you want to say we're biased. Fine, you can say that, but we're not. This is just this is just kind of the way it works. That's we what, couldn't yeah. find as good arguments for his. <laughs> it's just the way it is. I mean, I did score. I did score uh, some rounds with him where Scott didn't. So sure, I did pick him a couple times, but not override. No, sorry, that's not how it works. <laughs> that is it, sir. That that was uh, the data we crunched. I I you know we in our previous one that we did uh, in episode eighty three. We talked about tendencies at certain weight classes uh, among the genders. I didn't see enough uh, changes in any of that that I thought we needed to revisit it. I think if you're interested in that kind of thing, you should go back to that episode. I, I do highly recommend you go back to that episode as well if, if any of this interested you uh, or if you're just curious. Uh, that will tell you more or less the tendencies for, again, gender and um, and weight class. But that nothing's really changed. Okay. And – I must say again, if you have any requests for uh, us to cover something we didn't cover in this episode related to maybe data, you got any questions, you got any corrections, something we can address in a future episode, please reach out to me by email at Scott underscore Fontana. That is my Twitter. That is also my Instagram. And you can email me at Scott R Fontana at gmail.com. Yes, I've seen this spreadsheet. It's massive. There's probably a ton of data we, we didn't really touch on here uh and if you have questions i'm sure scott has has the answer so absolutely i mean i certainly try to get them if nothing else um and, and again I, I would really love it if anybody else is able to help me fill in some of the gaps that i have um in my data from the last five years of ufc i'm really close guys uh i feel like i can fill this out and we can get a real read on how judges have judged over the years and, and this would be a way for you to sit there and be like hey look if you want to complain about a judge or if you want to say, hey, this judge is smart, <laughs> I mean, maybe you're wrong, but that's not the way it works. <laughs> but you can at least look at data and say, hey, this one's always in agreement. You know, hopefully that will help educate people to understand that just because you hear Sal D'Amato's name all the time doesn't mean he's wrong. That's true. Just means he's wrong more often because he works more rounds. He's there all it. the time. He's there all the time. He's still got a high percentage. That's the way it is. Um, nothing would change as, for, as terms of my top judges, like I said. Yep, well, we'll uh we'll dive into that 
uh, next week, right? Probably do the judges next yeah, week. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll do our awards. We'll have some fun. Um, we're still killing time before fights start up again. And in, in, uh, I believe it's January 15 is the first UFC 15. card, followed by the first pay-per-view the week after. Yeah, Cater Chikadze. That's right. That'll be fun. Uh, we've got some time. We'll, we'll deal with that later. And uh, yeah, It might change. Any, any other questions I didn't address, Dan? I think uh, I think we covered covered just about all of it. All right. You got any New Year's plans? I'm going to eat, and I'm going to watch uh, football games. Hopefully they play. Nice. Right. So. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> see how many drop out because yeah. of COVID. <laughs> Omicron, ruling the world. All right, that does it for the data show of 2021. We'll be back again in 2022, which is next week. Absolutely. And uh, everyone have a nice and healthy and safe new year. Uh, come back and, and see what other horrors are installed for us in 2022. Yeah, and uh, see what the 2021 judges were. That's right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Have a good one.